iHeart Communities, thank you so much for listening as we chat now with our dear friend, the Commissioner for the Department of Agriculture. Please welcome Brian Hurlbert to our program. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hello, Renee. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, good. It's been too long, and I'm sorry that that we haven't chatted. I know we have chatted throughout this pandemic and meetings and such, but, you know, things are just moving along, and you guys have been busier I, you know, I'm saying this and I, I'm, you know, a lot of people haven't been busy, but you all have been busier, I think, than ever in trying to adjust, pivot and keep top of mind to the public that our farmers need our support, support local, ctgrown.gov, all of the programs that we have here, including one that we're going to chat about a little later in our interview, the Farmers Family Food Box program. So uh, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Well, well, thank you for all the work that you do to promote the Connecticut agricultural industry and our farmers and the and the small businesses that they are. You know, I, I would call in every week if I didn't know that you weren't doing this on your own. So <laughs> thanks for making some time for me every now and again. No, you know what? Let's have you back on every week. I think that's a good idea <laughs> because I think people are tired of hearing me yap about it. But any chance I get, I mean, my goodness, the farmers are just the backbone of our Connecticut uh, agriculture industry and our state. And if we can't support local, oh my goodness. So anytime I buy something at the grocery store or if I could get to a farmer's market, which will be a little harder as the, the winter months come in, I... I really Mm -hmm. do try and do that. And, you know, my husband and I actually already had our talk. I mean, for the holidays this year, it's going to be supporting local. And if we do give a gift, it's going to be a gift that we need, you know, buying my mom's groceries or whatever the case is, but supporting as much local as we can. Now, I know we had a... An order, Brian, of, of what we wanted to chat about, but I think I'm going to reverse everything since we're already talking about the holidays. So mm-hmm. uh, what are we facing during the holiday season and the Department of Agriculture? Well, as, as we approach the holiday season, I, I think many families are going to do exactly what you just described for your family, Renee. They're going to look at what's most important to them, to each other, and they've reprioritized. It's not the commercial um, Halapalooza that it's been in you know previous years, um, but it's it's an opportunity to make sure that um, your your family and your friends, your loved ones, um, know just how appreciated they are, but also use your dollars to spend money in a way that supports these other families in our communities that are going through challenging times. Um, and so I think we're going to see a lot more of the local giving. And to that end, you know, I, I strongly encourage people to go to our Connecticut ctgrownmap.com um, to look for farm stands, farmers markets, and other um, farm stores that are open in your in your community. And think about um, supporting them um, when you're putting together your holiday menus. Um, think about what you can buy at Connecticut Grown. And our, and our um, Connecticut Grown Pinterest page has a ton of great recipes. Rebecca Eddie Murphy on our team um, does a great job of documenting all of her Connecticut Grown meals and posting up there and the recipes that she's using. You know, there's, there's a lot of ways that we can uh, make the most of the situation we're in that benefits the most people. And we have to remember that our farms are not just, you know, pillars of our community. They're small businesses. And so they're employing people. They're contributing to the local economy. We want to make sure that just like everybody else, they get through COVID-19 just as strongly as possible and exit on the other side um, with, a, with a renewed interest from, from Connecticut residents that agriculture is important. Our farms are doing a great job, and we were there for them during these challenging times. 
Yeah, it has really just been unlike anything we've seen. And then you throw in the drought to boot. What has that done mm-hmm. to crops and to certain things that we would expect? Because I certainly know this has changed the season. It's closed the season down for some. It has really just changed the landscape. Really, it has changed the landscape to some of our farms. So talk a little bit about that. This 2020 um, has been a really challenging year for for a lot of reasons. And, you know, we had a uh, a wet, cold spring. We had a, a, a you know long drought over the summer. Um, we had an early frost um, this year. Um, but what the drought did was it, it challenged um, a lot of farms in ways that they didn't really need to be challenged this year. Um, uh, for our dairy farmers, most people don't think about this, but um, for every cow that's on the farm, you did an acre of hay and an acre of corn. And when you have a drought, you're not getting as much hay production. Your corn isn't growing to the same maturity um, that it has been in years past. And so um, I know for some of our dairy farms across the state, they were looking at a a a decrease of their uh, corn yield um, by 30%, same with their hay. And what that means for them is that they have to buy in additional feed. So it becomes more expensive um, to produce that same gallon of milk that, that you're looking for. Um, cows drink a lot of water as well. And so a number of dairy farms were bringing in water to make sure that their animals um, had access um, to water and make sure that they, that, that they could be healthy through all of it. Um, when you look at across our orchards, um, all in all, I think from a, from a revenues perspective, um, our orchards did fairly well because there was so much demand from the community that um, people were selling out of, of varieties um, pretty quickly, but the the yield was down. So there wasn't as many apples, and the number of apples that were out there were a little bit smaller. It's just that more of them got picked because more people showed up um, as a as a nice way to get their family out of the house, uh, you know, on a weekend or or a weeknight. Um, so in different areas, it, it created a lot of different problems. Um, but you know, again, because especially for the direct consumers, the the farm stands and farmers markets, because Connecticut residents were showing up and purchasing um, as much local, um, locally grown, Connecticut grown um, products as they could. um, The difference was made up for by increased sales in in a lot of these places, not in all of them, but in some of them. And how are you going to address this? Do you think, how do you think this will, I don't know, be addressed by our farmers in the future? Can they, can they recover? Are there some farms that we or that you know of? Are we going to have to say goodbye to them, sadly? Like, I know there's this is not a very happy subject, but what can you tell us? Well, I think that um, our goal is to make sure that none of them have to leave. And that's why talking about the drought um, is really important and making sure that um, not only um, are our consumers going and finding Connecticut products, but that our farmers know that because the USDA did declare all eight counties as impacted by the drought, um, there are some financial tools that become available to them. And so I strongly encourage um, any farmer, any of your listeners out there, um, that they contact their lender, contact the the USDA's Farm Service Agency, um, and talk to them about um, if they have a a loan, uh, if they can restructure the loan, if they can um, redo their, their payment structure so that the, the impact of the drought um, can get displaced in a, in a year where we're hopeful that we'll have better production or less costs um, on the farm. And I know from my time at the USDA, 
um, that if, if the farmers make that call, if they're willing to, to sit down and, and speak with the, with the farm loan team over there, uh, many times they, they are able to reach an agreement because nobody wants a farm to go out of business because they, they had to do something unexpected this year because of the drought. Um, and so I strongly encourage um, farmers to, to talk to their lenders and, and have that conversation um, so that we can work on a, on a payment plan or on a, on a restructure that works for them and keeps them open through these more challenging times. Wow, your job is is not easy. And my thoughts, hearts, prayers, and much love goes to our growers here in the state of Connecticut. Speaking of which, you know, when we think of farmers, we don't traditionally think of our aqua culture, right? And we have to start thinking mm-hmm. of them in the same way. So what can you tell us about our aqua uh, I don't even know how to say it the right way. Is it aquaculture? Is that the right way to say it? Aquaculture. Aquaculture. Well, All right. Here we go. Aquaculture. Yeah, you, you and I just think of it as oysters and clams. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> it's aquaculture because th- th- there are farmers, but they're underwater. And and this year, um, we we just had. You know, this is one of the one of the really great things about um, what COVID has demonstrated is that. Um, when people come together, great things can happen. And our congressional delegation was working USDA to get aquaculture included in the definition for the Corona Food Assistance Programs. Um, I was working with the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. The, the industry lobbyist down in D.C. was was working with USDA. Everybody was um, working hard to make sure that USDA recognized that aquaculture is agriculture, that if you're farming shellfish underwater, the, the care and custody and control and the, and the issues that our, um, our shellfish growers experience are the same that any other livestock farmer on the ground experience. It's just that they're underwater, so it's harder to see it. It's harder to understand it. And it's not in every single state, so USDA doesn't have to have as much of a focus on it. Um, Through all of these efforts and these campaigns and and conversations, um, I'm very happy to um, announce that we were um, we were able to get aquaculture included in the Corona Food Assistance Program to released by USDA. And so um, all of our shellfish operations should be going to the USDA Farm Service Agency. They should be applying for those funds. Um, it's based on the amount of loss due to the market disruption that we've seen. We know has happened um, because of the reduction in the, in the availability of restaurants to, to pick up and, and, sh- and move shellfish. Um, they, they have an opportunity to receive funds for that. In addition, yeah. we worked with um, Connecticut Deep um, and NOAA, the, the, um, the federal NOAA um, agency, and we have um, announced a, a, a sign-up for additional dollars under um, the NOAA funds. So the, the, the aquaculture industry in the state of Connecticut, although it's only on the shoreline, so not everybody always thinks about it, but it's, it's tremendously important. It's important for the, um, the character of our Long Island Sound heritage, that we are a maritime state, even though you know, people who aren't on the shoreline don't always think of us that way. It's important for the um, the uh, the environment that uh, our oysters and clams are are water cleaners, um, and so they're they're um, helping um, clean up Long Island Sound. It's important for uh, coastal resiliency and to make sure that um, as the tides change and as climate change happens, that we are protecting this very important shoreline. And then finally, it's also important for our economy. 
Um, aquaculture is one of the fastest growing segments in Connecticut agriculture. And so, you know, the jobs that are associated with it, not only, you know, the people who show up at the docks and get on the boats and actually work the oyster beds and the clam beds, but also the people who sell them fuel, the people who um, work on their boats, the people who sort and pack the, the oysters and the clams to go out to market. So it's a really important component um, that has gotten overlooked. And, and we have, I think, really changed that dynamic. And getting, getting aquaculture included in this program is a tremendous shift um, for USDA to think of aquaculture as agriculture, just like we do in Connecticut. That's that's a lot. Wow. And 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 so the best way to sum it up for someone listening right now to help not only our aquaculture, those farmers there, right, but our, our traditional mm-hmm. farmers, what is what is some of the, the best ways you can think of just the average person can do? I mean, seriously, what do you think they can do? Is it through social media sharing and letting people know about you know, different farms or aquaculture near, near them, or is it just getting out there supporting? Is there any place where people can make donations to to, to some of these places? I know that se- might seem silly because they might not be 501c3s, but what can we do? The, the, the easiest and the best thing is to support Connecticut Grown. And if you go to the ctgrownmap.com, a website that we set up um, with a with a partner organization in the state, you can find places to go. Um, and then I, I love your idea. Post it on social media. Hashtag CT Grown. Um, let your friends know. Um, you know, if, if you're not getting together for, uh, you know, for a, a weekend party or gathering, you know, um, put together a plan so that you're all purchasing the same things and, and, and doing a Zoom uh, event and, 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 you know, cr- sh- shucking some oysters and, and having some of the Connecticut Grown products. You, you can do oysters and Connecticut beers, oysters and Connecticut wine. Connecticut cheese, Connecticut meats, Connecticut vegetables, you name it, we've got it. And you can really make a difference for these farm families that are counting on um, your support. And then I I agree, you know, hashtag it, um, get it up on on social, make sure your friends know if they have questions. You know, some people are hesitant about chucking oysters. Um, The best way to get better at it is to buy a lot of them and start chucking. Um, And eventually (laughs) you, you get there. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and the, the byproduct of having to eat all those oysters isn't such a bad thing either. Um, and so, um, but, but take that little bit of a risk um, and try something new, purchase something different, look for um, uh, that, that farm in, in your neighborhood or, or if you're, you know, driving around the state just to get out of the house, um, make it a destination for the day. Um, and you're, you're doing more than just providing a little bit of a recreational activity and a meal for you. Um, you're supporting, um, you know, a, a great business in our state um, that that needs your support, especially during these times. Now, having said all that, it leads us nicely into our last uh, bit of conversation here today with Commissioner Brian Herbert of the Department of Agriculture here in Connecticut, and that is Farmers Family Food Box. Tell me about mm-hmm. this program, and again, as always, how can we help? So this is a, a tremendously important program to feed Connecticut residents. Um, it's a USDA-run program, so um, we don't award the contracts. And if, if the De- Connecticut Department of Agriculture did, you would see Connecticut Farms on that list. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case um, for, for Phase 3 or Phase 4. Um, but we know that there are families across the state that are still challenging with disruptions to their normal jobs. Um, they're, they're out of work, and they need help right now. And we can't allow families in our state to go hungry. 
Um, we need to make sure that um, they have access to food. And the USDA Farmer to Family Food Box program um, is, has been a tremendous resource to get food into um, the neighborhoods and communities across the state. Um, we've been working closely with, um, uh, with our nonprofit and pantry organizations um, on the assistance for the logistics and the delivering of food. And, and I just want to, you know, these are some pretty important numbers that I'm very proud of. And, and I think the Connecticut Department of Agriculture staff are very proud of, but also the, the folks and partners on the ground. And when I talk about partners, I'm talking about our friends in emergency management. I'm talking about our friends in, in local town halls. Um, at local human service organizations, local pantries, um, our local law enforcement um, who have stepped up to, to provide traffic control or help do deliveries, our National Guard's men and women who have been um, available for these distribution sites. Over the previous five weeks, we helped deliver, facilitate, organize the distribution of 238,000 food boxes across the state. That went to over 38 municipalities with, I think, over five dozen different nonprofit distribution organizations. So the logistics of, and coordinating all of that on a day-to-day -day basis um, was, was a tremendous challenge. But everybody understood how important it was to make sure that we got it right. Because if you're the family in need, you want to just know where to go, pick up your box, and get back home and do what you need to do. Um, we did all. We coordinated all of this through 211 as well. So you don't have to think about a new thing. If you're a family in need, call 211. Let them know that you need food, and they will tell you where your local pantry is and if there's a local uh, farm to family food box distribution coming up in your community. Um, take advantage of that resource at United Way. Tremendous partners through all of this COVID response. Um, but it's just another example of everybody coming together to solve this community challenge. Um, and making sure that we get it right. My gosh, thank you for you, your team, everybody involved. I don't think people realize how just much the Department of Agriculture touches everybody and their lives here in the state of Connecticut. Like you said, from even the agriculture to to our animals to um the farmers to the just, I mean, everything. I mean, we, we have to eat here in our state and you just mm -hmm. kind of like have so much of that. And then of course, with the hunger insecurities, our state is facing. So, I mean, every aspect of our lives, you can find somewhere, somehow, some way the department of agriculture is connected to it. So, uh, you know, maybe we should go back to, to more, uh, interviews. You know, we, we started off quite a bit, then we took a little break, but you know, Brian, maybe it's time to have you back on again on a more regular basis because Getting the word out, me just saying it is one thing, but hearing you being our commissioner say it just really hits the, the point home. So thank you and, and all of you. I really appreciate everybody in your department. Well, well, thank you, Renee. Thank you for being such a great partner and elevating these conversations and making sure to use your voice and, and your platform um, to share um, all of this work and all of the all of this need. So, you know, we can't do it alone and, and we count on, on your partnership tremendously. So I uh, really appreciate you always finding some time for us. Absolutely. Commissioner Brian Hobart, Department of Agriculture here on iHeart Communities.